The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning. This is Ellie Weiss with Wild Eyes Foundation, and you've tuned in to Our Wild World. On our first episode, I'd like to give you all a little idea of what Our Wild World is about. It's about conservation and what we can do and what you can do and what is being done in the world of conservation. Wild Eyes Foundation is mostly focused in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, east to west. We have a variety of projects that help focus on wildlife security, community development, and education. So, you're probably sitting here wondering, what does that have to do with me? Well, our series is going to take a look at the different aspects of these pieces over the course of the next several weeks. It's easy to think that conservation is something going on in places so far away and exotic that it seems unimaginable that one person here in the U.S. could have any significant impact on the greater outcome of a child, a community, or even entire species. Conservation is not a linear path, but it compares to a jigsaw of multi-layered pieces that must fit together for the whole to work. In this episode, our goal is to help you understand and learn about the big picture of what is involved in making conservation happen and provide a platform to engage our listeners to speak up about what's important to you and how you can get involved in making a difference for your life, for our future as a whole, through a variety of conservation challenges. We're going to focus on issues such as climate change, poverty, disease, notes from the field from our projects, photography. I am a professional photographer, so if any of you out there would like some photography tips and tricks, happy to give them. And we're also going to give you some practical tips that help you implement at home in living with and enjoying the wildlife in your backyard. We want you to participate in our wild world with your questions, emails, and comments. You can call into the Voice America channel, and uh, that's there on your screen. Call in and give us a question, or you can email me at wildeyes at wildeyes.org, and that's spelled W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. So let's get into some little deeper meanings. Some of you may be wondering, what is conservation? How does that relate to me? So I'm going to just give you a little bit of a definition. Conservation, in its 
let's call it dictionary form, is the action of conserving something in particular, preservation, protection, or restoration of the natural environment, natural ecosystems, vegetation, and wildlife, prevention of excessive and wasteful use of a resource. To investigate and describe the excuse me, diversity of the living world, to understand the effects of human activities on species, communities, and ecosystems, and to develop practical interdisciplinary approaches to protecting and restoring biological diversity. Okay, so that's the genuine dictionary definition. Now what you may be wondering is, okay, how does that apply to me? Conservation is about people. Wildlife conservation is about people. Wildlife doesn't have a pocket. It doesn't need money. It just needs space to be able to be and do what it is. So there's more at stake here than just the definition of conservation. It's called a conservation ethic. It's an ethic of resource use, how we allocate our resources and how we protect those resources, not only for our future generations, but for us today. The embedded services that our planet provides us that we don't have to pay for. It provides our energy, it provides our food, it provides our oxygen, and it provides our water. So we should think about taking care of all these resources so that they are here for us in perpetuity. Its primary focus in terms of conservation and its ethic is upon maintaining the health of this natural world, its fisheries, habitats, and biological diversity. Its secondary focus is on materials, conservation, energy conservation, which are seen as important to protect the natural world. Those who follow a conservation ethic, and especially those who advocate or work toward conservation goals, are termed conservationists. And that's what I am. I am a conservationist, and I'm hoping to help create a whole lot of other conservationists out there, people like you. So where does that get us to now? I'd like to provide a few facts and figures about wildlife. Or let me back up a second. Let me tell you a little bit about Wild Eyes Foundation. We're a wildlife conservation organization focused on wildlife security, community development, and education. We are a grantor organization that provides funding, targeted funding for specific projects that help them reach a targeted goal of critical infrastructure so that they can step up along the way and grow their project on the ground. So we have over, over the past 11 years, we've had approximately 80 grantees across sub-Saharan Africa. That's Kenya, Tanzania. We're starting a new one in Mozambique, uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Namibia, and Botswana. Each country has its own issues and challenges. We help address those issues, issues and challenges directly on the ground with the local people and create successful solutions that will provide a step up along this road that is called conservation. It's not a linear path. It's an uphill challenge. We can all do something every day, every minute, every time we blink, it's the future, to do something about conserving our resources. As I said, these resources are important. They provide the embedded services that our planet gives us for our very survival. So let's get into a few facts and figures. Let's start with some Africa figures. I know it feels very far away and it feels very exotic, but I'm sure many of you watch uh, nature programs. Um, it, our, our TV and satellite and dish networks are filled with 
stunning photography and nature channels. Our internet is filled with facts and figures. In fact, what just last week, the Wall Street Journal had a front page, excuse me, the New York Times had a front page article about elephant slaughter. So when we get wildlife issues into the mainstream media, that brings more and more attention. So again, that's the purpose of our show, to bring attention, awareness, and help educate you, answer your questions, and answer your comments, and provide commentary on what's going on in wildlife conservation today, and conservation in general. So here we go, some hard facts and figures. Without knowing what the truth is and what the underlying problems are, we can't really get started. If we want a paradigm to shift, we have to understand what paradigm it is that we want to shift. So far, in 2012 alone, 251 rhinos have been killed in South Africa. 35,000 elephants have been killed. 50 years ago, there were 450,000 lions across Africa. Today, there's less than 23,000. That's more likely close to 20,000. Most of this decline has happened in the past 20 years alone. So can you imagine what our world will be like without wildlife? Wildlife drives our planet. It's our ecosystem architects. So we're going to take a... A little time, and I'd like you to consider calling in and ask your questions about what this means in terms of our ecosystems, our world, our lives, and your community, and your life, and your future. We've got a few more facts from our own government, so let's bring it home a little. Using the Wildlife Service's own reported kill data from fiscal years 2000 to 2010, WS agents have killed more than 2 million native wild animals in the United States, including 915,868 coyotes, 321,051 beavers, 126,257 raccoons, 83,606 skunks, 70,000 ground squirrels, 50,682 red and gray foxes, 43,640 prairie dogs, 29,000 opossums, 25,000 marmots and woodchucks, 19,000 muskrats, 4,559 bears, 4,052 mountain lions, and 3,066 endangered gray wolves. So, think about that for a minute. What are we doing to our predators? What are we doing to our carnivores? What are we doing to our ecosystem? I'd love to hear your comments and your questions, and uh, I'll give you a little few more facts to cogitate. The number killed per year of any of the primary targets of WS which is Wildlife Services, lethal control, and of certain other carnivores is remarkably constant, with coyote numbers always between 72,000 and 90,000, beavers always between 25 and 32,000, raccoons between 9 and 15,000. The consistency of these numbers year after year implies that either the killing is creating a problem that sinks and that quickly fill that vacuum because nature does abhor the vacuum, or that reproduction is compensating for the increased mortality. However, we have no real data on the effects of this legal control. So think about that and give us a call in. The number is 1-866-472-5788. 
Or again, you can email me at wildeyes at, you can email me at wildeyes at wildeyes.org. So as you're thinking what I'm doing about conservation and wildlife security in Africa, it does have a relation to what we do here. Think of it as a pond with multiple stones being thrown and overlapping ripple effects. The energy and the systems that we put out there is what we get back. So before you even really wake up and walk out your door or say your first hello and good morning cup of coffee, we're already putting a vibration out there that is going to affect the rest of the world. So what can you do? That's what we're going to talk about in terms of ways you can get involved. Wild Eyes has a series of projects. You can visit our website at www.wildeyes.org. Again, that's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E, and visit what we do across Africa. You can certainly call me and uh, or email me and about questions that you have about living with wildlife in your own backyard. We're going to cover a few tips and tricks and some facts and figures about wildlife here and how that relates to wildlife across the world. I look forward to hearing from you, and in the future, over the next few weeks, we're going to be having some special guests and experts. If there are experts out there that would like to talk to me, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from anybody and everybody who has a valid question about what's going on in the world of conservation and wildlife in their backyard in Africa across our world. I guess we're heading into a little bit of a break now, so pick up the phone, fire up your email program, and let me hear from you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. 
We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Hello and welcome back to Our Wild World. This is Ellie Weiss with Wild Eyes Foundation. We are a Colorado registered nonprofit organization focused on wildlife conservation in Africa. I see we have a caller, Bill from Aspen, Colorado. Glad to see you're up in my fair town. How can I help you today? Good morning, Ellie. This is Bill Evans. My question is, <clears throat> how long ago did you become interested in this subject and what prompted you to become so interested at that time. Well, I think it comes from my family and an ethic and back and background in enjoying the out of doors. We spent a lot of time in Yellowstone National Park as kids with my my family, my mother and my father. Um, and then always had an uh, an enjoyment for the out of doors and fell in love with wildlife. I've always loved animals, and um, I came to realize that loving animals is not enough it's it helps but you have to turn that love and that care into action so i actually got involved uh with africa in 1993 um, when i went on my first safari and realized this is where i belonged and this is what i wanted to do so i began educating myself over the past 20 years of the issues and that's learned it's more about more than about just loving animals there are challenges and contradictions and politics and a whole lot of things that are involved in helping to conserve and protect wildlife right. did that answer that's question? very very interesting and the other question is what what's next for you what's the next step you're going to take in particular oh, a particular animal or a particular area well, that's that's an excellent question, Bill. I appreciate that. What's next? I guess on, on the broad scale, what's next is is getting young people and adults alike involved in participating in conservation here at home or philanthropically supporting conservation efforts across our planet, whether it's Africa or elsewhere. Um, right now, in terms of Wild Eyes Foundation, we're very focused on rhino conservation and lion conservation. Uh, lion population numbers across Africa have decreased dramatically. Uh, 100 years ago, or not even 100 years ago, let's say 50 to 75, there were 450,000 lions across Africa. Today, there's less than 20,000. That's just incredible. Oh. It's an astounding, tragic number, and it's a huge decline. And uh, lion, the African lion, uh, Panthera leo, has now been listed as endangered, and we are fighting to get it listed at, excuse me, it's been listed by CITES as threatened, but we are working to get it listed as endangered, such as the rhino and the elephant. Without that protection by the Environmental Protection Agency, we will have a very difficult time implementing a lot of conservation work toward protecting the African lion. Yes, well, thank you very, very much. It's very interesting, and I'll continue to uh, listen to what you're saying. Well, thank you, Bill. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
So Bill brought up some interesting points about what can we do and what are we doing. As I had said, Wild Eyes Foundation works across Africa. We have currently running about 35 projects. Several of those projects are focused on sub-Saharan lion conservation. With the decline in lion numbers as drastic as it has been, people are wondering why. Why are lions disappearing from our planet? So it has a several factors. We've got climate change. We've got human population increase. We've got human population encroachment on what was previously wild lands where wildlife and prey species could intermingle and survive. We've got loss of habitat due to climate change and population increase and increased in agriculture. We have disease and we have hunting, trophy hunting of lions. That's a very, very difficult issue to talk about, and it's got a lot of emotion attached to it. I am not at all a um, negative person against hunting. Hunting has its place in wildlife management. But there is a point where a cultural shift or a paradigm shift does need to take place in terms of which, what do we want on our planet? Do we want these species to survive? Or do we want to exploit them strictly for our use? And today I personally see no real reason in killing a lion for a trophy. Not when its uh, population numbers are so non-viable and they're having a difficult time reproducing. There's a lot of research trying to understand why lions are not reproducing because typically they breed like bunnies. Uh, it doesn't take much for lions to breed. So why aren't they surviving? Why are lions killing lions? Why are lionesses killing their cubs? Why are cubs not surviving? Well, it has a lot to do with the habitat and the availability of prey species and encountering livestock. Some of the projects that we're working on are mitigating livestock and hu human wildlife livestock mitigation. Uh, one of the projects that we're working on is called Condition Taste Aversion. And we've all had been CTA'd in our life. Uh, that chicken burrito or that drink or what are that sandwich that you can look at and smell and you got really sick eating it and you can't ever look at it, smell at it, or taste it again. That is conditioned taste aversion. It came about from chemotherapy and uh, working with youngsters who were coming out of chemotherapy, chemotherapy who could no longer eat their favorite foods because they associated it with the sickness from the chemotherapy. So a lot of work was done to get people to start eating again. What we have found, because of this hardwired mammalian response, we are mammals, is uh, to protect us from eating something that is toxic to us, that it will work on predators. This work, Condition Taste Aversion, has been done on California gray wolves. We did a project with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife on, Mexi on the Mexican Wolf Reintroductory Program. We're working on this uh, project with mountain lions, and we did our first uh, field trials with captive lions in Botswana last year. And when I say captive lions, I'm not talking zoo lions or friendly tame lions. These lions are on a private reserve. Uh, they are wild in every way, shape, and form. They just are not free to roam. 
So what happens is there is a baiting process that uh, the meat is treated and the lions eat this and they engage it and relate to it from the outside hide of a cow. And then they get to the point where they cannot eat a cow. So we are working in, at the point in Botswana to do the wild free ranging trials because captivity trials have their own biases. So I might be getting a little too scientific here for you, but um, basically a lot of what we're doing is trying to mitigate conflict between people in wildlife so that wildlife exists so that people People have their own food security, their economic security, and their social security. We all need this here at home and in Africa, where poverty and politics are oftentimes face a severe disconnect, sort of like we're feeling here between our people and our politics. I'm not going to get into that right now. I'm sure we all have something to think about that, especially with an election coming up. But... What we can do is find ways and support wildlife conservation efforts up to the philanthropist, the altruist who wants to make a difference. You can. You can make a difference by providing your time, your energy, your resources, and, of course, your funding money to support those projects that hit your passion. If you love lions and you want to see them on our planet, then contact either Wild Eyes or many other organizations, or we can help you find projects that will help you protect lions. If you're interested in seeing rhino continue on for our, our planet, there's something that you can do. There are many organizations out there that are helping these species survive, these species to maintain viable reproductive numbers so that not only we can enjoy them, but so that they can take their rightful place on our planet. They have a right to exist just like we do. And that gets down back into the hunting and the management issues of wildlife conservation and national parks, conservation areas, community-based conservation, and um, species survival plans. What does it have to do with us? Well, it comes down to what kind of planet do we want. I call it the wild effect. Wildlife without wildlife we have no life. We have no wild. They are our ecosystem architects, whether it's the lion in Africa or whether it's the wolf or the mountain lion or the bear here in the U.S. So many of us go out and we enjoy going through our hikes and our national parks and our conservation recreation areas, but it seems many times that the focus has gotten down to recreation for people versus conservation for the habitat and the animals that live there. So I'd like to hear from you uh, and your experiences and your uh, comments about wildlife in your backyard. Once again, the call-in number is one 866 472 or you can email me at wildeyes at wildeyes.org. So I'd like some ideas of what is on your mind. What are some of the issues you face in your backyard, whether you're here in the United States or elsewhere? Some of the animals that you've seen and how you feel about wildlife. Is wildlife a part of your life? Is it a... Is it disassociated from your life? Do you think about it? Do you support it? Do you work with it? Do you want it? Do you want it on our planet? Because it comes down to us. We have to make a decision of the kind of planet we want. And if that this planet has room for predators and the megafauna and the smaller fauna that helps make the ecosystem run, 
this uh, this system is called trophic cascades or trophic levels. Trophic being a certain level. We've all seen the food pyramid where we have our proteins, our carbohydrates, our veggies, and our dairy products. Well, our ecosystem works the same way, and it's called the trophic pyramid. So everything works top up and bottom down. There is a place for our keystone and apex predators all the way down to the ecosystem, into the bugs, the grasses, and the soils beneath them without our predators doing their job, filling the niche they fill in our ecosystem, the rest of the ecosystem will have a very difficult time functioning and providing the resources that not only wildlife needs, but we need to live our lives for our very survival. With wildlife, it's, it's a touchy question. It's an emotional question. Here in the U.S., we have a leisure time and a luxury time and disposable income, a lot of us, to think about wildlife in existential ways. Uh, we can enjoy watching it on TV. We can enjoy watching it on the Internet. And we can get very upset when we see a tragic photo of a rhino with its face slashed off because someone wanted its horn or a dead elephant. But it's more than that. How do we work with the people who must live with wildlife, the ranchers here in the U.S., or let's say the Maasai in Kenya, or the uh, Himba people in the far northern reaches of Namibia. How do we learn to live with wildlife, to provide room for wildlife to be what it is, and provide the mental wiggle room for people to live with wildlife? These are some of the thoughts and questions that I deal with on a daily basis in terms of the projects that we look at and the projects that we fund. What is going to move wildlife conservation sustainable community development and education ahead. This is what our projects focus on. Please visit our website at www.wildeyes.org and look at our projects and our successes, and I look forward to hearing from you. Give us a call or send me an email. We are talking about wildlife conservation, conservation, and our wild world which we all live and enjoy and participate in. We can all make a difference today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild. No life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. 
In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. Back with Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. And I guess some of you might be thinking by now, okay, when you talk about a wildlife conservation nonprofit charity, where does the money go? Well, that's a really excellent, excellent question and excellent thought. And uh, it's a it's been an important one on my mind for many years. I started Wild Eyes um, because I came from this from a donor perspective, from a philanthropic perspective. I loved wildlife, I loved animals, and I wanted to make a difference. And I wanted to make that difference in Africa. Whether you want to make a difference in Africa or here in the United States, uh, you want to know where does your money go? Well, there's a couple of uh, good points to keep in mind. First... Uh, find your passion. Where is your passion? And stick to it. And find the organizations out there that say, that are actually funding and supporting the, the projects that they talk about. There are several, um, online resources that you can use called Charity Navigator or GuideStar where you can type in the organization you're looking up and find out its goal, its mission, and understand uh, what it uses its money for. In a public charity or a nonprofit, uh, the key element here, the operative word, is public and charity. So with a public charity, it is funded by the public. Uh, there's private organizations, there's private foundations that are usually a filter or a buffer between a philanthropic uh, person, the family foundation, and where they want to spend their money on the ground. So with a public charity, two-thirds of that money must come from the public. And the other side of the equation is that money must go back out to support a public cause. So our public cause is in Africa. Uh, there's many public causes here in the U.S., and I'm not uh, including religious or uh, medical foundations at this point because their focus is very specific. <clears throat> so I'm trying to help you understand uh, how, to underst- how to learn about investigating, researching a, a nonprofit such as Wild Eyes. So you can go to our website. We have a lot of information there, our terms, our policies, and how it works. And uh, you can go to either of those two uh, online resources that I suggested. 
And um, you need to understand where the organization's money is going. And if you pick up the phone or send them an email and ask them, you should get a very transparent answer. If they can't answer your question in a simple sentence that is easy for you to understand in terms of how much money on the dollar ends up on projects on the ground, then you can make your decision. Uh, and I would suggest if you can't get that answer and you don't know how much money is going into the project, that you find an organization that you can understand and do know where the money's going. With Wild Eyes, 90%, that means 90 cents on the dollar, goes to our projects in Africa. On the whole, your donation, a public or private donation, does not cover our overhead unless it's written into our grant to, let's say, another grantor organization. 5% of your donation, that's five cents on the dollar, ends up running the administration of our projects. And what that entails is our IRS responsibility, reporting to the Internal Revenue Service, keeping our projects online, uh, and I don't mean internet in that sense, I mean on track, that they are spending the money that we've given them, which was your money to begin with, uh, to stay focused on the project that they said to us that they were going to spend the money on. And then the other five, let's see, so we're at 90 and we're at 95. So that leaves 10% that ends up covering the administration costs on the ground of the project. So that would be material support that they need, a staff support, uh, vehicle support, fuel support, but usually that is written into the grant. So when you say you love wildlife and you want to give your $25 to save a rhino, Make sure you understand where your $25 is going and that the majority of that, at least two-thirds of it, ends up actually kissing a rhino somewhere, actually ends up on the ground where a rhino lives, actually ends up moving a rhino or a translocation or provides security or overhead for the rhino, not just the people and not just the organization. And speaking of people, you want to understand that your donation is helping to support the people who are doing the work. There are a lot of people on the ground doing this work. There's a lot of people like me. But what we do need is your support. Without you, we can't make this happen. So you are a critical part of this equation of a nonprofit, of a public charity. We want to help you direct your funding, your altruistic gift, your philanthropic goal to something that makes you feel like you have been involved and have accomplished something. Your contribution makes a difference. With Wild Eyes Foundation, it makes a 90% difference, a 95% difference when you include the administration of a project on the ground. The rest covers just some of our overhead. Um, it's not paying for my salary. It's not paying for my staff. It's not paying for my office supplies, and it's not paying for my internet bill. It is going to the project to save lions, to save rhinos, to help educate people on the ground in Africa, and help educate people here through our programs that the work that we're doing is critical, it is important, and it will make our world a better, a better place for all of us. So how can we make our world a better place by supporting a project in Africa? Well, what happens in Africa is going to affect what happens here. And what we do here does affect what happens in Africa. As we move along, uh, 
wildlife conservation and politics and international aid have a very big, big effect on what goes on. So we're we're talking several different layers of philanthropic giving. There is government to government concessional loans. That's what I call big aid. And uh, there are many people today who think big aid should go away, that it is keeping Africa where it is. It's not allowing Africa to step up, take accountability, responsibility, and ownership of the projects. So again, that's a reason why I started Wild Eyes. We're not a large organization. We work on an average of a three hundred to five hundred thousand dollar budget. Over the past eleven years, we have distributed about two point five million across eighty two point five million dollars of public money across eighty different projects on the ground in Africa. Uh, we've had all but two of those projects be successes. And by success, I mean they moved on and they were able to step up and move further and grow. By non-success, I mean that the project didn't necessarily fail. It worked, but it was a short-term goal as as opposed to a long-term goal. Wild Eye seeks to have long-term sustainability with our projects. And by that, I mean... uh, Oops, I'm sorry, I was looking at a note. So we look at long-term sustainability, and every one of our projects must have a, a component of wildlife security. And by wildlife security, I mean safety for the animals, a habitat for them to be in, personnel to provide security, whether the, it, whether or not that's an armed response or a foot patrol or anti-poaching, uh, community security, that means people safe from the animals that could do them harm or eat their crops and products, uh, or education. And by education, it's making people aware of on, in Africa of the wildlife that they live with and how to live with it and to protect themselves from dangerous wildlife or wildlife that can do them harm, and education here about how we can help. So I'd really like to hear from you all and if you, with your questions. Once again, you can call 1-866-472-5788 or you can email me at wildeyes, W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at wildeyes.org. I hope I've answered some of your questions or some of your thoughts about where the money goes in a, wild, in a, in a public charity or a nonprofit and that uh, it is up to the donor to do some research. Uh, it's our responsibility. So I take my responsibility of where I put your money very, very seriously and very carefully and with um, concern and passion. So I would hope that the donor would take their responsibility of investigating, researching, and understanding what the organization does so that they feel confident and good about giving their money, um, giving their support, giving their time, donating materials, connecting with an organization. It's amazing how good you can feel when you know you've made a difference. In the end, we all want things to be better. We want things to be good. We'd like a planet that has 
peace and harmony, but it's not that simple. Conservation is convoluted. It's not linear. It's multi-layered. It takes a lot of work on a lot of levels, and there's not often room for that knee-jerk emotional reaction. It takes hard work, and it takes you. It takes all of us together to make conservation happen on the ground, and you can be a part of that. You can donate to our projects. You can donate to another organization. Um, my goal here is just to help you get involved and find a way that you can connect uh, with nature, with our world. Take a look at the wildlife in your backyard. Take a look at that blade of grass coming up in the concrete uh, between the sidewalks. Go stand by that tree. Take your shoes off. Go barefoot. Stand on some grass. Reconnect with nature. We're getting a little isolated from all of that in uh, our culture, uh, with our technology, with our computers, with our virtual world. Uh, at the same time, that technology can be a tremendous boon to conservation, and it has been. But at the same time, it uh, can isolate us. So think about that and give us a call. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Ellie Weiss and Wild Eyes Foundation, and we're back at Our Wild World. Okay, let's think about the title of that show just a little bit more, Our Wild World. What does that mean to you? 
I know what it means to me. I know it means uh, protecting habitats, ecosystems, and wildlife, while also protecting people. Uh, we have a, a huge, oftentimes, conflict between what people need and what wildlife needs, but it's not uh, mutually excuse, exclusive. It is inextricably linked uh, in terms of what wildlife provides for us and what we can provide for wildlife. So we can make a difference. You can get involved. Your small donation, whether it's five, ten, one hundred, or five thousand, will make a difference. But it's not always about money. A lot of people are hung up on the fact that people are constantly get asked for money. I know in the town that I live, it's like a nonprofit universe, and it's a very small pie. We understand that not everybody can help with money, but you can help through networking conversations, talking to community, spreading the word about this show, getting involved, calling in, giving me your comments, emailing me your comments, or finding us on Facebook and Twitter and joining in on the conservation conversation. The point is, is to get involved, to start thinking about our wild world, your place in it, and your neighbor's place in it, my place in it, and the wildlife's place in it. Do we want a planet with wildlife? One of our little adverts here gives a little um, description about wildlife, and you can see an animated video that I created on our website called The Wild Effect. Without wildlife, our communities go hungry, our rivers dry up, our forests crumble, our ecosystem and biodiversity falls apart. Wildlife drives this. I know it seems far away or even with that coyote or that rabbit or that deer or that bear in your yard has anything to do with your life, but it does. Uh, the security that you feel um, when a bear comes knocking at your door or perhaps in your house, like I had a couple of weeks ago, all my fault. I had a bear in my house because I left my door open. And lucky for me, it was a very, very polite bear. He knocked over the sugar bowl and he ate the cookies and he ate the fruit and he opened my fridge, but he didn't do any damage. So it wasn't worth reporting. But as we get into more conflict, as we move into areas where wildlife used to live, or as Mark Beckoff, um, an animal uh, morality, animal ethologist writer, talks about, uh, we have moved into wildlife's backyard. We sort of set up shop in their living room and built a house. More and more that's happening that we are blurring the boundaries between what used to be very clear wildlife habitat versus our urban, suburban, ex-urban areas. Rural areas, ranchers, farmers, cattlemen, they're very familiar with wildlife issues because they live on large tracts of land where wildlife pretty much is free to roam. Then there's our public lands. Our tax dollars support what happens on those public lands. If we want to let wildlife services kill all the predators willy-nilly, that's our problem. We can do something about that. We can help uh, shape and inform policy and politics uh, based on science of what is actually going on with wildlife numbers. Uh, wildlife provides uh, an extreme amount of information into how our systems work. When you create a vacuum and one species leaves, something else is going to fill that niche. And we can have shape what fills that niche in the sense of 
whether we want to let a critical species or a keystone species uh, disappear. I'll give you just a little definition of what a keystone species is. Uh, keystone species are those species that have a disproportionate effect on their environment relative to their abundance. They are usually noticed when they are removed or they disappear from an eco ecosystem, resulting in a dramatic change to the rest of the community. Or put another way, a keystone species is one whose impacts on its community or ecosystem are large and greater than would be expected from its relative abundance or total biomass. The phenomenon has been observed in a wide range of ecosystems and for a wide range of organisms. I'm going to take one right now. Let's call it wolves. In 19, in the early 1900s, I think by 1962, we had extirpated, and that means removed completely from our landscape in the United States, all wolves. We had put out a um, extirpation memorandum on mountain lions. So uh, then we spent billions of dollars to bring wolves back amongst a, with a lot of contention and consternation from many, many people. But what happened when wolves were reintroduced is it saved Yellowstone National Park, a park that was dying. So wolves have an important, an important role to play. But in reintroducing, reintroducing a species, especially a complex apex predator, does take work. It does take education. It does take awareness and it does take a willingness on our part to live with these animals. So um, I hope you've enjoyed a little bit of what we're getting into. In the future, we're going to be covering a little bit more of but what can you do and what will you do, um, how it's an uphill challenge to conserve and what that means, all the various aspects that are um, involved in making conservation habit uh, it happen. Um, we're going to cover the role poverty and disease takes in making conservation happen and how it keeps conservation from happening. And we're going to bring in some special guests and field experts to talk about their work and the work that Wild Eyes funds. We're also going to talk a little bit about what I call the animal manifesto, uh, which is animal rights. Um, and I'm not talking about the humane society type of animal rights. I'm talking about the rights of animals to exist on our planet alongside us. They have been willing to do so for a very long time, but it's getting harder and harder as we eke them out of their habitat. As I said earlier, I'm also a wildlife photographer. I've been a professional photographer 20 years. So if you want some tips and some tricks about how to take, a, let's call it make a better picture as opposed to just taking a picture, I'd love to help you with that. You can call in or email me at wildeyes at wildeyes.org or call into the show connect with us on Twitter, and connect with us on Facebook. Once again, my name is Ellie Weiss. I'd like you to think about our wild world as we head into the next week, and I hope you do join me next week, and think about what you can do, what will you do, who you would like to work with, who you would like to support, and what your passion is, and how you want to live on our wild world with wildlife in it. Uh, I'd love to hear your comments about the wildlife in your backyard, whether it be a mountain lion, a bear, a good experience, a bad experience. I'd like to help you understand how to avoid dangerous consequences 
confrontations, excuse me, confrontations with wildlife, because as we've blurred these boundaries, dangerous or what could be dangerous wildlife is coming more into more contact with our urban areas and uh, having conflicts. Uh, so I would like it if you'd give us a call. Um, email me, check out our Facebook page, check out our Twitter page, communicate, communicate with your neighbor if you're not going to communicate with me. We need to start talking about how we're going to interface with our wildlife and save our wild world and save our wildlife and create a habitat and a planet that embraces all living things, all the other earthlings we share this planet with. It's not just a human-oriented world. So once again, I thank you so very much for joining me today, and I look forward to hearing from you, and I'll see you again next week on Our Wild World. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now.